Hello there. Happy Friday, July 15th, the second to last full week here of daily episodes on the Lockdown Penguins podcast. For today's episode, we're going to get into um, part of Dayon Kovacevic's report about why Jim Rutherford actually resigned. We finally have at least one answer as to why he suddenly left a little over a year ago. It's been, well, I shouldn't say a little over a year ago. It's been well over a year um, after, of course, Ron Hextall took over. It was just such a sudden resignation. And, you know, we, at least according to DK, he finally has his reasons. So I'm going to get into that um, and talk about that for a segment. Also get into some other notes from that article, Penguin related, including one on Danton Heinen and why um, it was pretty crazy what he was searching for in arbitration. Also get to a couple of notes from the 32 Thoughts podcast of the Penguins and what Elliot Freeman will talk about with regards to the Malkin negotiation, what led to that finally happening. And then um, an interesting nugget at the end when it comes to a potential trade that almost happened at the draft. So that's what's coming up for today's episode of the podcast. Without further ado, let's get right on into it. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. It's been basically two full months um, since the Penguins got eliminated in Game 7 by the New York Rangers. Um, this month so far, the listenership up 30 plus 30% exactly, I should say. Um, over last month. Um, to the, from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for continuing to listen to and support this podcast, even though the next game that will be played is well, about three months from now. So, you know, we have a long time, and a lot of content to get into um, before the Penguins officially play their first game of the 2022-2023 season. But let's get into this first topic. So, Dayan Kovacevic, um, I actually got a little bit of a tip from someone that this was going to be coming on Friday, about a few days ago. Um, and so I was looking forward to it. It was one of the first things I read this morning. And this is what DK writes when it comes to why Jim Rutherford resigned. There's just been so much speculation. Uh, well, you know, here we go. So he said, according to a team source with whom I spoke with at the NHL draft, um, it was as simple as this. Two weeks into the COVID-19 shortened 2021 regular season. So that would be... Um, 2020, 2021, I believe is that one. Um, I think so. Oh, oh wait, no, no, no. Excuse me. Pardon me on that. No, um, I think so. I, I believe that would be the 2020, 2021 season. Unless I'm just like being really stupid right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the one. I'm sorry. I, 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 I it, it's been a long two years here. People I, I've like just been losing my mind. Sorry. It's not 2019, 20, it is 2020. 2020, excuse me, because Ron Hicks obviously was hired last year. Sorry about that. He says, Rutherford was set to make a move. He was rejected by David Morehouse, the team's president and CEO at the time. Rutherford was livid, and according to this source, he said some things to him that aren't the kind of things you can take back. Further talks between the two over the following two days did not settle anything. Rutherford informed Morehouse that he would be resigning, and all concerned agreed not to discuss the matter publicly, which neither of them, by the way, have done, as DK writes. Um, I guess the stuff that you can't take back, I mean, I don't know if he told him to go F himself. Like, you know, I, I mean, 
Like he just like cussed him out for five to 10 minutes. I, I have no clue. I, I got to imagine it involved some form of cussing. Um, and DK goes on his right. As for what the move might've been, the only specific thing I have ever been told from inside the organization, it was not a crystal tank trade. I'm sure you all, some of you all might remember this. Um, that was a wild rumor going around at the time. I think it was someone from 93.7, the fan, um, was saying that he was told that um, Rutherford was trying to take trade with Tang. And that put everyone into frenzy, like, oh, glad he resigned and all that. But um, that was, at the, I think, a couple days later, that was denied. And then Dejon just now denied it, too. So it, it sounds like it was not a Crystal Tang trade. He said, I've also heard that it was not a trade at all. So that is interesting. Rutherford wants to make a move, but it's not a trade. Did he want to sign someone? Like, I mean, I don't think Evander. I think Evander Kane was the only. I mean, did he want to sign Evander Kane or something like that? Despite all that baggage he has, um, did he want to fire Mike Sullivan? Uh, you know, because I, I mean, I remember that you know they did start off the season a little rough for 2021-2022 before you know they really picked it up. Um, you know, down the stretch, especially in March when they had that. I remember they had that big win over the Flyers in mid-March, and after that, you know, they were just steamrolling a lot of their teams in the division. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he would fire Mike Sullivan, but you know, I think it's a pretty good guess. I just I don't know like what the move would have been. Did he want to fire like a, an assistant general manager or something like someone below uh, someone else below him? I, I don't know. Did he? Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's not a trade, you know, it can only be you know so many things. You know, bringing someone who knew as baggage. Firing a two-time Stanley Cup winning coach, firing an assistant general manager, something like that. But the fact that you know someone like Morehouse had to deny him, um, that's definitely big, to say the least, and something that um, you know, it, 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 you know, it sounds like to me maybe that it, it could have been a little um, controversial, um, you know. And you know, DK also writes as for what specific words might have been spoken. I've not heard a syllable. I do know that once it happened, both were eager to make the cleanest. Least controversial exit possible under the odd circumstance and to their credit, they've held that to even now. He also says, after that, Morehouse and Lemieux created a new position of president of hockey operations and chose Brian Burke. Basically, he says they wanted to avoid any future situation in which a non-hockey executive held authority over a hockey GM. That makes sense. You know, I mean, Morehouse, everyone knows he did not come from a hockey background. He was from a very political background. Um, I mean, he, you know, he, he's from Pittsburgh and, you know, he grew up cheering for the Penguins, but, you know, he, in terms of, like, working in hockey, I mean, he basically had next to no experience. So um, I think he was, you know, I think, I don't know, Mario was just doing him a favor since he loved the team so long. And, you know, he'd been in, um, you know, a lot of, you know, business politics and all that stuff so that he could get involved um, with the sport. And, you know, that I mean, that that's basically it for, um, for what DK said. But, you know, definitely – Interesting. You know, I, I mean, again, like I, I wish I could, you know, find out what that, I, I would love to know what that move was. Um, you know, at least we will also find out that, you know, he cussed out Morehouse basically saying like, you can't tell me to do my job and probably a whole bunch of, you know, cuss words on here that I'm probably now I'm not allowed to say, to, but um, you know, just, I would, I wish I could, you know, know what that move was. If it's not a trade, you know, it's a coach player that want a player, player roster cut, you know, assistant general manager, another assistant coach on the staff, you know, like what would it be? I, I think that's, you know, the big 
I was going to be, or, you know, maybe can, can you even buy out a player during the regular season? I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't think you can, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, it's definitely not that. So, uh, you know, what could it be? You know, I think that's, you know, a pretty, you know, big thing there, but, you know, at least we got to the bottom of it a little bit, you know, that's definitely been on my mind. I remember I wrote an article a long time ago for, you know, last word on sports saying, you know, I think it could be because, you know, Rutherford, you know, smelled that, you know, the, the future was not bright for this team and he wanted to dip out early before, you know, it, things got really bad. But, you know, the fact that it sounds like it was a pretty heated argument between Morehouse um, and Rutherford, um, you know, I guess that's not too surprising. Again, I just would love to know um, uh, what, what that move was, uh, to say the least. Um, so that'll do it for this first segment of the podcast. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into some of the other news from this Friday Insider article, especially one where when it comes to Dayton Heinen. But before I get to that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest, easiest way to check out on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That is better online where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So a couple other things here with regards to the Friday Insider from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, he did he did say um, – this one was interesting about how Malkin was able to sign his contract. He said, I'm told that although Latang and Crosby both communicated with Malkin in the final days before his contract was complete, neither was in- singularly influential in getting him to change his mind about hitting the NHL's open market. Rather, the most prominent influence came from his wife, Anna Kastorova, as well as other family and friends. You know, I mean, I, I, I honestly think everyone played a role. I don't think it's, you know, one specific person that just helped change Gino's mind. I mean, sure, Anna you know, being his rock and all that. And I'm sure she, you know, helped convince him to say, but I, you know, I definitely do think that Sid, I mean, Sid and Latang, but especially Sid reached out, texted him, told, you know, told him to kept his cool um, and all that stuff. So I'm not, you know, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think, you know, a whole lot of people played a very big role um, with that. Now here's one from Taylor Haas in this article. That was very interesting. She says, Danton Heinen doesn't have any set salary in advance, and I was told that any number floating around there is simply speculation. Still, his can't believe that he could get as close to $4 million in arbitration had the Penguins qualified him. The Penguins opted to avoid the chance of arbitration with Heinen, but negotiations continue beyond that point, and Heinen remains flexible on salary if the term is right for him with the Penguins. So th- there you all go. So many people were, you know, and this was, you know, and I'll say this, you know, at the time, at the, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Why is he not getting a qualifying offer? I was then reminded by a couple of people that he does have our rights. I, I thought he didn't because he's been in the league, you know, for several seasons now. I did not think he had that at this time, but I was wrong. I'll take the L on that. Um, but now that, you know, with what Taylor wrote is out there, you know, it makes sense. I don't think Dan Heinen should get close to $4 million for a one to two year salary. Or I believe it's it would be for, I believe it's one year. Um, for arbitration. Um, that would be ridiculous. You know, for someone who just set a career high in goals at 18, do you really think he's going to 
do that again next year, making almost four million? P- probably not, right? I, I think the Penguins, you know, they, they were right to make the decision that they did for not qualifying Heinen. Um, you know, uh, you can probably get him, you know, I, I guess what, two to 2.5 million, something like that. Um, I, I mean, I don't think, I, I even think 3 million would be a little much for me. You know, I, I think he is someone that I would definitely be intrigued about bringing back. He's still in the open market. I'm sure he's, you know, heard from other teams. Remember, you know, the Penguins, they signed Heinen. I sure I want to say that was like a day or two after, you know, the main um, free, agent, free agent frenzy day. So, you know, the, you know he's going to bide his time like he was um, last year, you know, and see if a, another team could potentially give him a shot, whether it's on the, on the second or third line. But, you know, I, I do like Heinen, you know, 18 goals. It's definitely, you know, God replaced those somehow, some way, you know, the Penguins, they, they have not done that so far. And, you know, if they do, you know, bring him back, I won't be mad about it, but, you know, I'll have to see, you know, if the term, and the salary is right, um, to say the least. Um, and you know, Taylor also says, "Yeah, I mean, there. I, everyone knows that there are there is tampering in free agency. Um, you know, it, 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 you always hear this you know, during every free agent frenzy. Well, you know, teams are going to like file like a suit or something, and they're going to file a formal complaint and all this stuff. I'm like, you know, this this happens. You know, it's like it, this. This feels like such a is that even like a good comparison to say? I don't know. I'm probably not going to put it out there because it's probably like a dumb thing. But, you know, everyone basically does it. You can't stop it. You know, teams 100% start talking to other players at least, I would say, a week before free agent frenzy opens. You know, if it's not a week, it's probably three to four days or something like that. But I would say it's probably at least a week. Um at that point. And um, Danny Shari also had an interesting report here. Um, So I think this is one of the last things I'm going to get into here um, for this segment. He says the Penguins have way too many defensemen. One, if not more will be traded, but don't expect one of them to be Brian Dumoulin. If you do not listen to my episode on Thursday, I am of the opinion. I made a bold prediction that I think you're going to see two defensemen off this team heading into the regular season. I think one of them could be traded for futures. I think another one could and should be traded for a top six to top nine winger. I think if, you know, and even if I think if you trade just one of the defensemen, um, if you're not getting a forward back and this team is definitely lacking at least one right now, especially when you look at the top six, I think you are doing it wrong. You know, if it's one, I don't want futures in return for him. You know, if you're doing two, I'll accept that because I think that's a bit better. But I think if you're doing one, you got to get a decent four back that you know that can finish their chances because you're the Penguins. They ranked in the bottom third of the league last year in terms of finishing. You know, I, I want to see that turn around, um, to say the least, next year. Um, and Danny goes on to say, I was told management has concerns about his performance, especially now that he's coming back from another significant lower body injury. What concerns them more, though, is the lack of a viable partner for Latang in his absence. Dumoulin does have one season left remaining on his contract, and it appears to me that the Penguins are going to ride it out so you know my thoughts on that I, I get why they want to do it you know could they get a big package i think back from him yes teams will are always willing to pay for that kind of defenseman look at what eric goodbranson just got on the open market four times four nick Lettie also just got basically that same contract in st louis teams value defensemen differently but the fact that you know those two players who are significantly worse then someone like Brian Dumoulin are getting, you know, that kind of money. 
you can definitely bait a sucker into giving you at least a couple of picks back or potentially a roster player in return, you know, hopefully a finisher. Um, in my opinion, I think he should be the one to get traded. But, you know, I think management also brings up a nice devil's advocate that, you know, if you do trade him, who is playing up there with him? You know, with Jan Ruda, he's a righty. You know, is Sullivan comfortable with righty-righty on that top pairing, even though, you know, um, Ruda did a good job with Hedman down in Tampa Bay. But, you know, the thing with that is Hedman's a lefty and Ruda was a righty. So I think John Cooper was much more comfortable with that down there. You know, are you going to elevate Mike Matheson? up to that role. I think that's a little much, you know, we saw how that was in the playoffs when Dumoulin was out, you know, and, you know, I, I know Dumoulin, you, some people probably didn't notice him as much. You know, I think part of me didn't, but I think part of me did at times when you saw three to five pucks basically go off Matheson state skate and in. So, you know, I, you know, is Brian Dumoulin in that exact same spot during those times? Uh, I would probably wager not. You never know. But again, I, you know, I, my betting money would be um, saying that he would not be. I don't think, you know, I don't think you're going to elevate Marcus Pedersen if he's not even on that team. Um, at that point, I think that would be a very dumb move. You know, POJ, we've seen Joseph up with a tang and he looked decent, but, you know, the underlying numbers were not kind. We only had like 45% of the shot attempts, like not even 50% of the scoring chances. Um, you know, Joseph was just playing too many minutes. And that was last season when the Penguins were dealing with some injuries to the blue line. You know, not this past season, you know, but the, but the shortened season before that, I should clarify um, so, you know, I think Joseph is ready for initial minutes, but I don't think he's ready for top pairing minutes to say at least, you know, you look at the other options down there. I mean, you know, you're not going to move John Marino to the left side, Mark Freeman. I mean, he, he's a righty, but what plays on the left side, is he going to go up there and play top pairing minutes? Probably not. You know, I, I do think if you had to move Dumoulin, you know, you almost have to like, just, I don't know, bring someone else in, but you know, but that also wouldn't make any sense because you have nine defensemen on your roster right now. Trevor Rito's not going to play up there anywhere. So, you know, I definitely understand the devil's advocate to it. You know, I think they respect Dumoulin enough that they think or hope that he can have a bounce back season next year. I'm definitely hoping that he can. I hope that he proves me wrong, but you know, the back of my mind, you know, it's just like, you know, he, he hasn't been the same since that ankle injury that, you know, he suffered a few years ago. His, his skating has taken a massive hit. Um, you know, his defensive breakdowns in his own zone are, are been coming up, I think, a lot more lately. You know, he just, he just hasn't been that same player. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, based on, you know, a lot, what a lot of people are, you know, saying in the Penguins land and, you know, reporting on DK Pittsburgh Sports and other places, you know, and I think Yoey had that same report on The Athletic. Um, it sounds like it's going to be one of Marcus Pedersen or John Marino, if not both. Or not. And again, that, that's been my bold prediction. Um, since yesterday. So, you know, we'll have to see on that. Um, coming up here in the next segment, we're going to get into Elliot Friedman's a couple of nuggets that he had on 32 Thoughts. There was really um, nothing else in this article. You know, those were the main points that I want to touch on um, for this segment and give my thoughts on those to, you know, just, you know, talk about that heading into the weekend here. So you know, I'm going to touch on the stuff from Elliot Freeman's 32 Thoughts podcast when he talked about the Penguins. One of them involves Kenny Malkin. The other one involves a potential trade that looked like it, it fell apart towards near the end of it. So stick around for that coming up here in this final segment. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So you know, Friedman and Merrick, they dropped the final 32 Thoughts podcast today. If you do not listen to that podcast, uh, I, you know, implore you 
to all to do it. You know, I think it's probably the best hockey podcast out there. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I toot my horn enough. I, I think I offer quite a bit on this show. I, I definitely love talking about this scene with you all, but in terms of how they do it with Amo as a, you know, product, production person, you know, I would love to have someone like that for this. I will say that, you know, I, I'm like decent with that kind of stuff when I was back in college, but with how he does it, you know, mixing stuff in, um, you know, I would love to have someone like that that I could just, you know, rely on for those kind of sounds. So, you know, they, they did a great job. Hope they have a great summer, but you know, Friedman, he touched on the Malkin negotiation and he said, you know, he said he was told the biggest thing was getting Malkin cooled down. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm tuning my, my own horn a little bit here, but you know, that was something that Josh Yeo and I talked about a lot on our, on our, on my episode on Tuesday, where it was like, yeah, like if they can just, you know, if Malkin, you can just settle down. We all know he's an emotional guy, especially on the ice. We all saw that um, <clears throat> towards the late stage of the regular season when he lost his mind um, on one of the Nashville uh, Predators players when he just like was a made a stupid play and just like cross checked him to the face and was suspended four games. Just stuff you can't do, you know. He's also like that off the ice, and you know, cooler heads did prevail. Friedman said they started working on it Tuesday afternoon, and by the evening it was done. And you know, he also said that the team. You know, they felt like they offered a four-year term. Um, and Malkin apparently said at the time when he was testing free agency that he thought it was too late. And, you know, it's basically because he was ridiculously emotional. But, you know, that's who Gino is. You know, he's he's been that way for 16 years. He, he is not going to change, to say the least. But um, he also did say that, you know, said he heard that did play a role and a lot of other people did to make sure that this was going to happen. And apparently – um, this was an interesting topic that he discussed. He said that teams were will, were um, lining up to give him a a short term one year deal, low AAV but easily attainable bonuses, so that he can make potentially, you know, up to eight, maybe eight point five, even nine million for a season. So you know, for example, he was maybe going to have an AAV at like two or three million for the season, but have very easy bonuses to get. Where again, he could get up to you know seven, eight, nine million. And, you know, I think a lot of contenders, you know, they would be, I mean, some of the teams I'd be thinking of, Colorado, Florida, obviously has a residence down there where he, he trains during the off season. The Rangers obviously are out there, you know, the Washington Capitals, they, they signed Dylan Strome, which was, I thought, a great move by them. Um, you know, all, all these other, I think I saw Dallas was thrown around, even though they're not a contender, but, you know, there you no know, teams, you know, even though they, they were maybe not crazy about term for Malkin, you know, they were apparently lining up to give him a short AAV with easy bonuses. And, you know, I think that would have been a really, you know, if, if Malkin had gotten to free agency, um, I think that, I think that probably would have been enough to have him leave. I think even if the Penguins offered him that contract, you know, I'm not really sure um, if he would take it to be honest. So the Penguins, I definitely think they dodged a bullet there by him not getting to free agency. Thank God they locked him up. Um, at the 11th hour, you know, Malkin was able to circle back and be able to make that deal. And then Friedman said when they were talking about the Jan Ruda signing, he said um, what he was told at the draft, the Penguins did have a trade um, for a defenseman to be shipped out, and it looked like it was about to happen before it fell apart at the last second. So I'm curious to see who that was. I think Friedman went on Vancouver radio yesterday thursday so maybe you all might be all might be listening to this on saturday i'm recording this late on friday night but i believe it was on thursday 
And he was talking to them about Marino because, you know, all the Vancouver fans just want him at this point. And he said, you know, I think that was the first time where he mentioned he's like, yeah, they, they, they felt like he almost got moved last week, but it fell apart. And to me, my pure speculation was that the trade that was going to go for the number seven overall pick? That is my big question on that before maybe Ottawa pivoted to Debrinkit. You know, maybe you know, maybe it also lines up with the Jeff Petrie report that DK had on his side. You know, maybe, you know, was Marino going the other way and Petrie was coming back and Montreal was eating half that salary. You know, maybe if that works, I know Montreal doesn't have a lot of cap space and I, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't have to go on cap friendly and check that out. But, you know, maybe that was it. You know, who knows? But it's interesting. It's definitely something that, you know, they, they're, you know, they're, they're close to potentially making this move. I know Josh Yowie said on Wednesday that the Penguins have been trying to make a trade all day. No one was budging. They are eventually going to make this move. You know, a, a, a team is going to be out there that needs help. Uh, you know, on their back end, and they're going to, you know, hopefully give up a decent score to get the player, or, you know, it's going to be futures or something like that, but, you know, preferably a player. And the Penguins are either going to have eight defensemen next season, or they're going to have seven. But, you know, the fact that Hextall was being aggressive at the draft shows, I think that he wants to get this done sooner rather than later. Um, would not be surprised um, if you see a move here, looking at the date here, in the next week or two, um, I guess. And then as for the Johan Larson stuff, no word on that today. Very quiet day in free agency. You know, it's been super, it's been super quiet, I should say, since Wednesday. I think you're really feeling the lack of money this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, last year, you know, you had Seattle and you know, 80 million worth of you know revenue and you know, all this money of revenue coming in, and you know, teams were able to spend some money. But but this year, you don't got an expansion team coming in. Seeing a lot of teams. You know, I think a little bit scared uh, to pay up for some of these players because they just don't have a lot of salary cap space. And I don't think a lot of other teams are looking to take on salary at this point. And there's still a lot of really good players out there. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens here potentially over the weekend, next week and all that. But um, that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. Remember, next week is the final full week of episodes before we go down to three week. I can't thank you all enough for continuing to make the Lockdown Penguins podcast. Hopefully your first listen of the day. I'll be back on Monday. Hope you all have a wonderful um, mid-July summer weekend. Talk to you on Monday.